children, and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet, or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it, and we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a ghoul evening. <laughs> ah, Woody. I see you're back from your vacation. Oh, hey, Rothrick. Yep, I'm back. Did you have a good time? Ah, uh, yeah. I went places and saw things and ate stuff and... So, tell me all about your time off. Yeah, so I took the first few days and went out to my folks' place out east. A really great house on a river. Oh? <laughs> yeah. We ate shrimp, cooked some steaks, saw some really great wildlife, and had some friends over. You know, just some time away from life for a bit. Yes. And I can see... You got a suntan as well. Oh, well, that was because after that visit, I went out west. I saw lots of national parks, went hiking. I went to some historical places. You know, just some things on my to-do one-day list. What did you wind up doing, as if I have to ask? Oh, I went back to England. Saw some old friends. Crept around the old haunts, huh? Fun things I used to do. You know, when I was younger. Well, did you see anything interesting? Oh, yes. The old mansion where I grew up hasn't changed a bit. I even took some pictures. See? Oh, let me take a look. Ah. Oh. Yeesh. Owie! Eh, who's this? Oh, that's my cousin, Arachnidia. One of my favorites. Yeesh. She has the appearance of a, ugh, spider. How so? Well, she has long slender arms that are the same length as her legs. She has shiny black skin. And what, what's that behind her? Is it some sort of web? Hmm. Let me see. Woody, you ninny. That's not her. That is a spider. Ah! Shoo! Shoo! Jesus, Rothrick, you know I hate spiders. Sorry. It must have crept in somehow. No. There she is. The young lady in the corner. Oh. I see. That black-haired woman with the black dress on, with the black eyeshadow and the black shoes we and the... We get the point, Woody. Well, I will say she's a looker. Uh, thank you, I Woody. tell him what she looks like. Um, what was that? Oh, she's definitely a sight for sure. 
But that spider does remind me of tonight's story. Seems Detective Smith has found the whereabouts of Faye Mizuki and is in hot pursuit. However, he runs into a bit of supernatural trouble in part three of The Woman by B. Young 97. Enjoy! I investigate disturbing cases. Here are my stories. The Woman, Part 3, by B. Young. After about a half hour more of asking standard questions and exchanging phone numbers, I left with my mind made up. The threads were leading me to this Walter kid. Something in my gut told me he knew exactly where Faye was, and one way or the other, I was going to get that information out of him. The next day in the office was a mad rush of writing reports and trying to do my research on just who this kid could be. But just going off a name and a vague description wasn't enough. There wasn't anything in our database that helped me, and I was afraid I was going to go through every kid with a first name beginning with W in the area. Frustrated, I decided to step outside to take a break. But before I reached the door, I bumped into Detective Joss. Smith, she said a little too forcefully, how's your case coming? It's been a couple of days, and you know what they say about 48 hours. You're not slacking it, are you? I shook my head and threw up my hands. I'm making progress. I think I'm close to it. There's just one little detail to solve, and after that, I'm off to the races. She leaned against the wall and sipped her coffee. Oh, and what's that? Some kid named Walter something. Seventeen, tall, pale skin, dark hair, circles under his eyes. Apparently, he's from the area, but I have no idea where to find this guy. She thought for a moment and snapped her fingers. Without a word, she ran off. A couple of minutes later, she came back and motioned for me to follow. A couple of the officers were sitting around the computer with a picture pulled up of a rather rough-looking young boy. This is the guy you're looking for, Detective? The younger of the two officers asked in a distinctly New York accent. We've had some calls about him before. He's run away from home a couple of times, and we had to bring him back. Nothing else on the rap sheet, though. Walter Crane is his full name. Hoping it was who I was looking for, I snapped a picture of the boy and sent it to Hannah. Within minutes, I had a response confirming that it was indeed the same kid. My eyes grew wide reading her text. Immediately, I grabbed the address for Walter's school from the guys at the computer and bolted out the front door, shouting that I owed them a big one on the way out. I made the drive from the station to the school in record time. In what felt like seconds, I went from demanding that the principal grab Walter to sitting down with the kid in a private room. Right off the bat, I can tell he was nervous. I didn't even have to say Faye's name for him to know precisely why we were sitting across from each other. Without saying a word, I wanted him to know that I was sizing him up. But it was apparent I didn't have to do too much to intimidate him. It was like Hannah said, it looked like he hadn't slept in weeks. He was skinny, smelled like cigarettes, and struggled to make eye contact. But even beyond that, his general unkept look, loose-fitting clothes, and pale skin belied a kid that was obviously struggling with something pretty serious. No visible bruises to indicate that there was abuse, but that didn't mean there wasn't anything going on. Either way, something was deeply wrong. Um, don't know why I'm here, he eked out. I wasn't in the mood for games. Look, kid, a girl's missing, and I have reason to believe that you know something. Why me? <sighs> I sighed. Tell me how you know Hannah Sterling. Don't lie either. I've talked to enough people to know the truth here, and I swear it's going to look awful if you start jerking me around. <laughs> he fell for the bluff. Okay, okay, she sold me some drugs. What kind of drugs, I demanded. 
Um, just weed, he replied softly. Did you ever smoke weed with Hannah? Sometimes, yeah, why? Was there anybody else there? And if so, then what was their name? Yeah, a, a girl named Faye. Bingo. Did you ever talk to Faye outside of smoking with Hannah? He started to choke up. His hands twitched for a moment, and I could see he was debating whether or not to come clean. I realized I might have been pushing too hard and pulled back the intensity a bit. Look, Walter, I know this is hard, and I don't want you to worry about getting in trouble or anything. I leaned in closer and put my hand on his shoulder, but right now, I don't care about any of the other stuff. I just need to find out where Faye is. Please, help me do that. He shook his head. You, you don't understand. I, you won't believe me. I leaned back in my chair and took a softer tone. Try me. Start from the beginning. He took a deep inhale before a slow exhale and nodded. I've been dealing with some stuff. No, some thing. This thing has kept me up for the past couple of months. I've been really scared. It, it said it'd take me to its home just like it took the other people, unless I gave it something to take my place. I visited every night. I knew it was getting closer and closer to taking me. It reminded me every damn day of what it wanted. I started buying weed from Hannah to help me sleep, and that's where I met Faye. She's a really nice girl, just really naive. I could tell that she liked me a bit, and I used that. I'm so sorry I did it. But I needed someone to take my place. I told her I knew a cool spot where we can hang out at, so I drove her there. And that's where you'll find her. At its home. I promise I didn't hurt her, but you have to see. None of this made any damn sense to me. I couldn't tell if Walter was admitting to murder, maybe with an accomplice, or if he was hinting at something else entirely. I must have not even noticed how long I was in my own thoughts while taking notes because before I knew it, the kid was rocking back and forth, crying about how sorry he was. I tried calming him down, but to no avail. The best I could do was wait until his panic attack was over, but even then, he profusely stated how he never hurt Faye and that he was just doing what he could to survive. The kid was spooked out of his mind, and suddenly, his appearance made more sense. This was caused by stress and a hell of a lot of it. Eventually, I managed to get an address for the place and got all of Walter's contact information, telling him I'd be in touch. On the way out, I took a few minutes to try and convince the principal that she should send Walter home for the day. For whatever happened, he was a teenage boy under a lot of stress. I had no qualms about bringing him to justice if and when the time came but I also felt sympathy for whatever he was going through. She seemed to respect my suggestion, but I'm not sure if she ever actually did anything. Either way, there was a secondary concern. At the moment, I had my location about a 45-minute drive away, and nothing was going to stop me from getting there. I jumped in my car and burned rubber towards the address. My attention never broke once from the road ahead of me, and my mind was solely focused on finding Faye. Not a single stray thought entered my brain. When I finally arrived at the nearly dilapidated house out in the middle of a random plot of land surrounded by nothing, I truly started to fear the worst. By the looks of it, it was an abandoned old two-story farmhouse. I'd done this job long enough to know that with nothing around for miles, it'd be the perfect spot for a murder. Even standing a reasonable distance from the old farmhouse, 
I could catch a whiff of a pungent odor. As I walked closer to it, the stench only intensified. What the hell? I thought to myself as I went for the door. It only took a slight nudge for it to open. But what I saw inside, I... Jesus, it was fucking horrible. The light from outside poured through the various holes in the farmhouse, illuminating the various dead bodies strewn about. Most of them appeared to be animals, but some were undoubtedly human, and most were very young. What kind of sick bastard would do something like this, I thought. I pulled for my gun and shouted for whoever was there to come out slowly with their hands up. I waited for about thirty seconds with no response from anywhere in the building. I shouted again, and still no response. But despite the silence, I knew I wasn't alone. To this day, I don't know what force drove me to do it, but I had this incredible urge to look up. For a moment, I thought I saw what appeared to be a massive four-legged spider scurry from the ceiling onto one of the rooms on the second floor. My brain couldn't quite process what I had just seen. If that was a spider, it was easily as long as a polar bear. It had to be at least nine feet with legs easily matching the length of its body. The more I questioned, what spider had smooth skin with a head of long black human hair? Gun pointed in front of me, I ran up a set of dangerously old stairs and followed the thing into the room I had seen it enter. What stood before me was definitely not a spider. It was a woman. She did stand at approximately the nine-foot height, I assumed, when I first got a glance. Her body was rail-thin, with loose-hanging gray skin and arms that dragged behind her on the ground. But it wasn't just the impossible proportions of her body that terrified me to the core. It was looking at her eyeless face and rubbery lips, the corners of which drooped far past her chin in a permanently distorted frown. Inside her mouth, it appeared as though she was sucking on what I thought was a skull, like a cartoonishly sized jawbreaker. Her long gray tongue wrapped entirely around it, and milky, viscous saliva dripped from her mouth as she moved around it. I wanted a gag at the sight of her. My body was frozen in fear. I didn't know what to do or how to react. For a moment, we just stared at each other until I heard moaning. My eyes darted from the monster of a woman to the source of the sound. In the same room was a young girl, one that I recognized. Faye Mizuki. She was lying on the ground, her eyes rolling into the back of her head. It looked as though she was covered in dirt. I finally found her, but I knew this thing wouldn't just let me take her with me. I had to make a quick decision. It was now or never. I fired off multiple rounds into the thing and rushed towards Faye to grab her and get the hell out. But only after taking a couple of steps forward, I found myself flying backwards and smashing back onto the ground. Despite her lack of apparent muscle, she was incredibly strong. I tried scrambling for my gun, but she snatched it where it had fallen beside me and flung it into some dark corner. Now, I was utterly defenseless. By the time I realized what happened, I felt the woman's ice-cold fingers double-wrapped around my throat. She carried me to the first floor and slammed me against the splintering wall. I struggled to breathe against her might as my vision started to blur. I could see her puffy gray face come close to mine. The two words she uttered through rotten breath in her deep voice chilled me to the bone. Get out! I knew she wasn't going to tell me again and realistically, I had no means of objecting. 
I took one glance at the room on the second floor and saw Faye looking down at me with tears in her eyes. And what did I do? I'd like to say I stayed and looked like a good cop. I fought against the odds to do the right thing. But no. One more glance at the figure towering above me and I... I ran. I ran like a fucking coward with his tail between his legs. The fear of the moment and of that goddamn thing was too much. I didn't even look back at the farmhouse until I was safely locked in my car and calling for backup. The desperation in my voice as I begged them to save me from that monster was apparent. It took a while for them to arrive, and all the while, I was trying to process just what the hell happened. When the officers arrived, I broke down what it had happened and they just looked at me in disbelief. When I realized they didn't actually believe me, I just told them to shoot any damn thing that moved in there except for me and the little girl. I watched as they disappeared into the house, but no sense of comfort came over me. Moments later, I saw a familiar vehicle pull up beside me and a gravely voice yelling out my name. Turning to the figure behind me, I asked, Chief, what are you doing here? He fumbled in his pockets for a bit and then pulled out a lighter and a cigarette. Setting the tip ablaze, he answered, I wanted to see this one through personally. You look like shit, Smith. What the hell happened? Flashbacks of that horrible thing crossed my mind and I shook my head, repulsed at the thoughts. <sighs> I found the girl and, uh, something else. Look, everything will be in my report tomorrow, but when the officers kill whatever the hell's in there, you need to see it with your own eyes. He stared at me for a moment, puffing on his cigarette. I couldn't read him. All I knew is that look on his face wasn't disbelief, but something else entirely. Pity, maybe? I'll never know. Either way, he played off my fears and simply said, Go home, Smith. We'll handle things from here. You've worked hard on the case, and it looks like you've been beaten up a bit. Detective Joss will be on the scene soon to tie up loose ends. I was shocked to find myself speaking a little louder of a tone than I had expected. What? No. I haven't seen this thing through. I have to make sure she's okay. The look in his eye implicated he wasn't going to argue with me. No, Smith. You're going home. We'll take care of everything. You have my word. I wanted to fight it. I wanted to scream, and I wanted to yell that this was bullshit. But I knew my place, and, and I knew I didn't have any standing to force the issue. Reluctantly, I got into my car and drove home mad at the world. That night was awful. I couldn't stop thinking about the monster I had come face to face with or the, or the conversation with Walter that now made complete sense. The thing was hunting him, and it was smart enough to get him to sacrifice someone else in his place. I wouldn't be able to sleep either if I knew that thing was coming for me. <laughs> Hell, it probably explained him running away too. He was probably trying to get as far away from it as possible. Still, he knew he'd never succeed until it either took him or took someone else. But why? Why not just take the kid? Why did it matter who it was if it was just hungry? Did it just like to fuck with people? Did it have some kind of sick mind that it matched its even sicker appearance? I wish I knew. The next day, I tried to keep my sense of normalcy. My morning was fine, albeit I scared myself a couple of times, thinking that lady had found itself in my house. I investigate disturbing cases. Here are my stories. The Woman, Part 3, by B. Young. Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rothrick and I hope you enjoyed it. 
We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, if you're an aspiring author and you want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps old Rotherick out enough, we'll air it. And subscribe to our podcast for notification of our next new episode or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Tales from the Dark Chamber and follow us on Instagram or Twitter. If you want your story read for your own use or you just want to have it, check out my website at woodygvoiceover.net. You can order there or you can find me on Upwork as Woody G. And again, thank you for listening tonight.